before we get into the word this morning. Lord, thank you so much for your word. We thank you how alive it is and how it is able today to speak to each of us. Uh, Lord, would you, by your Holy Spirit, uh, minister to the church this morning? Would you fill me with your spirit and the words that you would have to speak? Lord, give us all ears to hear uh, and and a heart to obey uh, those things that uh, would be spoken this morning. I thank you for this chapter. I thank you for Acts. I thank you for the way you worked. And uh, Lord, I just pray that this morning would be a blessing. And uh, again, that you would just speak to us in a real and powerful way. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Would you open your Bibles with me, if you have them with you, to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. If you are new with us this morning, I want to welcome you once again in in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. One of the things that we do as a church family here at Calvary Chapel Kelowna is that we go through the Bible on Sunday mornings, uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We'll pick a book and we'll just kind of go straight through it. And right now as a church, we're going through the book of Acts, and right now we're in chapter 14. Now as a bit of a recap as to what's been going on as we have been uh, journeying through the book, Paul and Barnabas are on their first missionary journey. Now at the end of this chapter... By the end of chapter 14, they will return home to their home church at Antioch. And they will give a recap, a report as to how their first missionary journey went. And he will say there in verse 27, Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, and that he had opened the door of faith. To the Gentiles. And so overall, he will say, God opened doors. That's what Paul will report. God opened doors of faith uh, to the Gentiles. He gave a good report. Now, backing up, we will go through chapter 14, and we're going to look at what an open door looked like to the Apostle Paul. Can I just say something? I will for the next 35 minutes or so. (laughs) Paul is made out of something that I am not. In this chapter, it's so convicting for me because I look at the challenges that he faced and the attitude at which he faced them, and it's just a bit of a slap to the face uh, to my character and to my boldness. Uh... It's just so convicting for me, and I, you know, it might be for you too. <laughs> Maybe only for me. In this chapter, he will deal with division. He will deal with delusion, delusion, and he will continue to respond with declaration. And yes, I just used three Ds there. Uh, if you're taking notes, that's how we're breaking down today's study. Uh, the first thing that he'll deal with is division, then di- delusion, and then he will 
finish off the chapter with declaration. And so the first, uh, let's look at the division. Now it happened in Iconium. They're in a city named Iconium now. That they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brethren. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part sided with the apostles. Now, we'll see here that for Paul, uh, ministry for him makes sense. He was kind of like a smart guy as it related to how he would go into a city. And so the first thing that he would do, he was strategic. He would go into the Jewish synagogue. That was his uh, first stop, because he had a platform there uh, where he can start with the Bible, with the Old Testament scriptures, Uh, because as we know, the Jews believed in the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, They're just not convinced yet that Jesus is the Messiah, and so at least he can open up the scriptures and go into the synagogue and preach to them, uh, both Jews or Greeks that are Jewish believers, and he reasons with them from uh, the scriptures that Jesus is, in fact, the promised Messiah, the promised one that would come uh, to save them. And so, of course, he'll talk about prophecy. He'll, he'll go all the way back, I'm sure, to, to the Old Testament. It would have been great to have uh, these sermons recorded But it's one of the reasons why we as a church, we also teach the Old Testament, because Jesus is in all of it. And so, Paul, that was his custom. And I want you to take note of that, because later when he goes to Lystra, right now he's in Iconium, later when he goes to Lystra, a not-so-Jewish place, uh, likely not a synagogue there. By the way, there would be a synagogue in a city if there was at least ten Uh, male believers, uh, 10 male Jews, they they would build a synagogue. So in uh, Lystra, he he doesn't go to a synagogue, and he will reason with them in a different way and from a different starting point, not Scripture. And we'll get uh, to that. Something for us to glean from, I think. We're in Iconium. Uh, Paul is is preaching uh, to the Jews here, and there are some... Uh, And I don't know whether it be out of jealousy, it's probably that, but there are some unbelieving Jews that don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They don't like that Paul is preaching and that people are believing. And so it says that the unbelieving Jews poisoned their minds against the brethren. I find that interesting wording, poisoned. They tried to... Poison the mind of the brethren. And what's Paul's response to that? I love this in verse 3. So he stayed there a long time. (laughs) A true shepherd always gathers. He never scatters. The unbelieving leaders are trying to cause division. It says, so Paul stayed there a little while longer than he normally would have. You know, maybe he would have, you know, spent a period of time in a city, preached, and and appointed some leaders and then left. But because there is this division, it says that Paul stays a long time. He wanted to make sure that the converts were discipled and trained and taught to deal with these issues. Uh, Because 
so often when uh, someone is believing in Jesus, there is an enemy that does not like it, and there is opposition. And so Paul wanting to be there. Now, Paul will eventually leave. They will try to stone him here. And that's when he decides it's time to go. Yeah. Now, Paul was bold. I have no question that whether or not he was willing to die for the gospel. Uh, eventually, he would. He'll be beheaded by Nero in Rome. Uh, but Paul wasn't suicidal. And so, if he could survive, why not? I, I find Jesus did that often, you know, before his crucifixion, when things would get stirred up. Sometimes he'd just silently kind of leave. It's, maybe it's time to go. So, again, Paul being shrewd. Uh, I think so often of being shrewd as a serpent, but gentle as a dove. And we, you know, some of us horribly would give him a hard time for leaving after he got stoned. But then I wonder for us, what time, at what time do you leave town? At what point are you, are your words put to rest? when you are sharing your faith. I would, say, I would suggest to you, shamefully uh, for myself as well, I don't know uh, whether it's for my reputation or fear or what, but my departing point seems to be a lot earlier uh, than people picking up stones to kill me. You know. You know, not even verbal threats. It might just be, well, I don't know what people will think. You know. Folks, if we believe the gospel to be true and the power that's behind it, we must more proudly and boldly proclaim it with less fear and less things stopping us from doing it. What is our stopping point? And the only solution that I can think of as I was meditating through this is that the Holy Spirit to come upon our church, to come upon me, to come upon you, and fill you afresh with boldness. Uh, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need that. We need that. I need it. Anyway, there's division here. Paul doesn't decide to leave just yet. A good shepherd, he stays, he strengthens the church, even though people are disagreeing uh, with his teaching. He wants to build good roots in the believers here, and then there is this division. Uh, so, you know, there, there you have it. Now, the second section of our study here will have our second D, and that's disillusionment. And Paul will head to Lystra. Verse 5, And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia and to the surrounding region, and they were preaching the gospel there. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who would never have walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently, seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and he walked. Now when the people saw that what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have come to us in the likeness of men. Now, I just want to stop there. The disillusionment will continue, uh, you know, there. But I, I, we need this for context. There in Lystra, uh, there's a famous poet who wrote about Lystra, uh, in, in this area. His name was Publius Ovidius Nasso. 
I'm glad I have my notes. I would have never remembered that name. But the funny thing is, he's known as Ovid. I don't know how you get the nickname Ovid from Publius Ovidius Naso, but there you have it. He was a famous Roman poet that wrote a poem about Zeus and Hermes and how they visited the reg- that region of Galatia and, and Lystra and Lyconia. They went on from house to house. This is a, the story that Zeus and Hermes went uh, disguised as poor men and they went from house to house Uh, asking for someone to be hospitable to them. And no one was until they came to the house of a poor old couple. And though they were poor and they just lived in a small cottage, they showed Zeus and Hermes hospitality. And so Zeus and Hermes turned their old cottage into a huge temple and destroyed the rest of the city by a flood. That was their story. In Roman mythology, that's what these people believed. And so here comes Paul and Barnabas. They come preaching the gospel. They notice as uh, they're preaching, there's a man who is lame. We are told that he's a cripple from his mother's womb, that Paul discerns that he had the faith to be healed. Incredible. Uh, And so he encourages him in his faith. He says, look, if you have the faith to be healed, stand up and walk. And he does. What a gift miraculous. I think sometimes as we go through the healings in the scripture, we need to take a little bit more time and just pause and think about really what's happening. He was a cripple from his mother's womb. That means there are muscles that are atrophied that don't exist there. Uh, There are connections from his brain to his legs that had never taken place. And yet God in an instant is able to heal Not Paul, God, not Paul, God is able to heal him. And so often in these days we, you know, God doing the healing, so often in these days we don't see it as often in such a frequent way. Part of it is because the signs were being coupled with the preaching of the gospel confirming the words that were being spoken. I do know stories and of reputable sources of, of missionaries who did have, did, God did seem to give them faith and, and the gift of healings. Uh, anyway, it seems to happen, and it, I still believe in healing for today. But as the people see this, instead of praising God, uh, Look at the response here from those in Lystra. Again, in verse 11, the gods have come down to us. Verse 12, Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Uh, Barnabas, uh, bigger than than Paul as well. We have stories that Paul was a a wee little small man and uh, hunched over. And so Paul being the speaker, they they thought, well, he's Hermes and, and, and Barnabas is obviously Zeus. And then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, bought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. And so, again, they're calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes. Uh, you know, I, I think this is hilarious in verse 13. I, I just imagine the story there, just one of the city people going to the temple and saying, hey, you're, you worship Zeus and Hermes, right? Like, like get up. They're, they're like in the city uh, right now. Um, so... <laughs> Like, I, like, you should know that. <laughs> you know, if you're the priest, uh, you should probably know that uh, your gods have arrived. 
Then the priest of Zeus, verse 13, again, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes and they ran among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men with the same nature as you. And preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that are in them. And so so Paul and Barnabas saying, here, guys, you're getting the wrong idea here. We're preaching to you so that you can turn from these things, not so that you can continue in them. Paul not taking the glory for himself. So funny, so often I think the enemy, if he can't get us to backslide, he'll try to get us to front slide you know, and get way too ahead of ourselves. There's another story, uh, a man by the name of Captain Cook, uh, journal findings, funny. Uh, he was a captain, and he traveled uh, to different islands and that, and, and one day he, he travels to, to an island, and because the people there had never seen a great big ship with the big sails that he had, and, uh, and people dressed the way he was dressed, they thought that he was a deity. They thought Captain Cook was a god. And uh, Captain Cook went along with it. He told, his, he told his shipmates, like, this is good. Like, we should just enjoy this. And so they gave Captain Cook everything. They gave him food. They gave him a great place to stay. stay you know, women, all sorts of uh, things were given to him. Until one day, Captain Cook found a beautiful married woman. And he was attracted to her, and he pursued her. And the jealous young husband uh, grabbed a club and hit Captain Cook over the head with the club. And Captain Cook is bleeding and squirming and crying on the floor. And uh, the, uh, the chief of the, of the tribe there said, wait a second, gods don't bleed or squirm or cry. And so they they beat Captain Cook to death. That's the story of Captain Cook. (laughs) Now, now I have news for you. If, if, If I, you know, if I told you that I was God, uh, you'd find out real quick that I wasn't, because my wife would tell you. Just ask her. You know, I, I find it really interesting, and this is one of the things that does strengthen my faith in a, in a real practical way, if, if, if you like to be uh, critical. Jesus told his disciples, I'm the son of God. I'm e- he made himself equal to God. And these men spent every day of three years with him. And they saw him get crucified. And then they witnessed him uh, being risen from the dead. And then they saw his ascension. And their lives were changed. And they preached the gospel and changed the world. And they were even willing to die for their faith. All of them but John uh, were martyred. John died in a prison on the island of Patmos. 
you have to write the book of Revelation. You know, it's just one of those things that increases my faith because if Jesus wasn't God, these men who had spent every single day with him would have realized and noticed real quick, hey, no, like, you know, when they were put to the sword, are you sure he's God? Oh, yeah. I spent every day with him. He never sinned. I saw him rise from the dead. I saw him crucified. And so... Uh, that's so encouraging to me. Uh, don't, if, if, if you are being tempted uh, to be thought as God or something more than you are, I would caution you, don't. Paul will not do that. He doesn't have any of it. He will not take the glory for himself. Uh, again, one of the things that can be more dangerous to the Christian uh, than discouragement and some failure is success. Great success. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen with people who are gifted, anointed uh, with a sweet gift of God and used of them. And how sad is it at their highest point uh, when they are being fruitful, God using them, men start to praise them. And then from their high point, they have a great trip and fall. And I've, I've witnessed that happen. And it's a a great warning to me. So anyway, Paul and Barnabas not having any part of that, and they begin their case preaching to these guys at the end of verse 15. uh, Turn to the living God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all the things that are in them. Verse 16, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness. And that he did good. He gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Paul, different than when he is preaching uh, to Jews in the synagogues, he is not preaching to religious people here. Uh, he's He's preaching to Roman pagans, and so he doesn't start at Scripture. He starts at the basis of creation. He will start from the basis of creation. He says, look around you. Look around you. All that you see shouts design, intelligence. There's not just random energy and matter. There needs to be information. There has to be a designer. There's, you know, it talks about this in Psalm 19, verses 1 to 3. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament show his handiwork day unto day utter speech and night unto, unto night reveals knowledge there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard there is not a single language where uh, what creation shouts out of who he is romans chapter 1 He says, for since the creation, verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. It's like pretty intense. Read the chapter, it is intense. It says that no one is, is without fault or blame. Because the heavens, again, declare his handiwork. It is, his attributes are clearly seen. So every thinking individual, if they want to think, 
and they are willing to think. They can see in creation that there is order. And without, you know, without order, without information, without intelligent design, I mean, I mean, it, it, in essence, it takes more faith to be an atheist. Which, by the way, seems to be a relatively new thing. Back in these days, everyone believed in a god. Whether or not they believed in the right one. But no one, if you told someone, oh, there's no God, they, well, they'd say, well, that's stupid. Like, how would we have all of our, uh, you know, you look at the signs in the sky, you reason with people, uh, and not only does design uh, say that there is a God, that there is an existence, but his creation does say something about him. You know, when he created back in the book of Genesis, he said, things are good. He saw that it was good. And when he said that things were good, they were not good for him. They were not necessary for him. The trees, the plants, the water, the sun. These are not things necessary for him, but they're necessary and good for us. He, he, Paul even mentions it there. He, he says, you know, he gave us rain and fruit. And I could go on forever talking about creation, but I'll, I'll just mention one thing. You think of the atmosphere. This atmosphere, not only does it work, it works. You know, it keeps our planet from burning under the heat of the sun. It gives us very specific uh, conditions for life. But it just so happens that the things uh, that our atmosphere is made out of are also transparent. They're transparent. And so not only is life sustained, but it is able to discern and study the rest of the universe to study the stars for times and seasons, which God said he put them there for. And we find that earth is not only functional, but it's a, in a place in our galaxy that best helps us study the rest of the galaxy. You know. And so we have calendars, and we have a year, and we have seasons and times. And those are all things that are good for us. Why would randomness out of nothing explode into that? It just doesn't make sense, you know. Why would any random thing be concerned that we could study the rest of the universe? And so if you really ponder these things, you realize that not only is he the creator and the, the sustainer, but you can see that he made them good for us to enjoy and that he is a deeply caring and loving God towards his creation. And if you can start there with people who don't know anything of the Bible, because if you go into the street and you say, well, the Bible says, well, they don't believe the Bible. And so creation, a good starting point. And then you can start talking about the Bible and what the Bible says. Verse 18, and the, with these things, they could, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium, by the way, that's a, like 80 miles, uh, having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. 
And so again, these guys uh, from Antioch of Pisidia and Iconium, uh, they've traveled at least, some of them over 100 miles, everyone at least 80 miles, and they have come and followed Paul and Barnabas from Iconium and Antioch, and they persuade the people in Lystra, and they stoned Paul. Talk about disillusionment. In the morning, they're sacrificing, worshiping them, as Zeus and Hermes, and in the evening they are stoning them and dragging them out of the city. Now I wonder here as Paul is stoned, that's with rocks by the way. Did you catch that? I was concerned that you wouldn't. Paul mentions in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, He talks about a heavenly vision that he had, how he was caught up into the third heaven. Many scholars believe here that it is perhaps that he was dead for a moment, and there he sees his vision of heaven, and then God miraculously brings him back from the dead. Amazing here. It's funny because Paul says, these things I can't utter. I can't utter these things. Uh, That's why he didn't write the book of Revelation. Because he would have seen the vision and he would have just said, no, it's too good to be said. And so John is a little bit more artistic and willing to share. And so we have looked at division, we have looked at disillusionment, and now we'll look at the continual declaration of Paul the Apostle. However, and Barnabas, and and when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. What? What? Sorry, Uh, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went to the city again. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. I love this. The disciples there uh, that were made in Lystra, gathering around Paul, they help him up, they pray, he gets a good night's rest, and then the next day he heads out with Barnabas uh, to Derbe. Now there is a man, a young man by the name of Timothy, who's from Lystra. And uh, we will know that he is a young man that will become Paul's uh, protege. He will write to him first and second Timothy. And we know that Timothy is from Lystra. And so I have no doubt uh, that, uh, you know, Timothy probably was one of the disciples here that witnessed this happening. Uh, I'm sure it left an impression, impression on him. It is so important in our ministry and and whatever it is that you do to serve God, that you don't impart only uh, your service, but your life. And Paul lived these things out uh, for the people who he led. How does he keep going? Well, I guess when you've had a heavenly vision, what's the worst that can happen? You can live. And so he says, well, I'm just going to keep preaching. (laughs) And verse 21, and they had preached the gospel to the city and made many disciples. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them, three things here, uh, he made many disciples, strengthened the souls of them, and exhorted them to continue in the faith, saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. It says he goes back, he makes more disciples, 
He strengthens the believers to establish them, and he exhorts them to uh, continue in the faith. Some of these are brand new believers, and Paul realizes that he is going to have to leave sometime uh, to return home. Uh, Paul leads them to Christ, but he wants to go back. So now what he's doing, and, and if I could show you a map, we don't have a map today, but he's, you know, he's kind of done a bit of a circle, and he's actually really close to home right now in Lystra. He could go back to Antioch, actual home Antioch, not Antioch and Pisidia that it's talking about here. But what he's going to do is he's going to backtrack now and uh, head in the other direction because he wants to make sure to reiterate the truth of Jesus and to see how the churches are doing and to strengthen and to establish them uh, Paul, again, practicing what he preaches, he says, you know, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. What a better example to the believers than Paul himself as he talks about suffering and trial. And he will do that many times in, in, in the book. Uh, this region, the book, you know, Galatians really about this, encouraging the Galatians to continue in the faith. Will you now depart? Now, why all the tribulation? I think, you know, part of it sometimes is the enemy uh, uh, trying to slow us down. We will have opposition. But then there is this part that God turns those things into an opportunity to build us. And both things can happen simultaneously. Uh, I bring this verse up uh, often. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 he says, not only that, we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was, giving, uh, who was given to us. If you're going through hardship right now, you're going through trial, if it is uh, especially if it is because of your faith, I pray that God would continue to strengthen you and that you would continue to press on. And sometimes when these things happen, we can really uh, suppress them and we could grow bitter. But if we can embrace God during these difficult times and realize that He's with us and He's working these things out and He is working a character in us, uh, that is completely necessary, uh, then that is of some comfort to me. Verse 23, And when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, and they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. After that, they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, and now when they had preached the word in Perga, they went to Atalia. So again, kind of backtracking uh, through all the areas that they had been through. It says there that they appointed elders in every church. I wonder what that was like, the appointing of the elders in every church. Because, I, you know, how old are these believers? Paul in, in, in First and Second Timothy, you know, he'll, he'll say, you know, it shouldn't be a new convert. And don't, don't hastily lay hands on a man. And yet, you know, he has to, uh, he has to go. These are new believers, relatively new believers. And, and so he has to appoint some leadership here. 
He says that's the best thing uh, to do here. But notice that is, it was with prayer and fasting. That Paul was not interested in uh, the normal uh, kind of things that might uh, qualify a person. There was, no, there was no seminary at that time. He, had, he prayed and he fasted and he sought the Lord and he asked the Lord, who is the person who are the people who I should appoint uh, to, to lead these churches? And so they did that. And, and from there, uh, they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they have been completed. I, I think just a couple chapters ago, separate unto me, as they are serving there at the church at Antioch. Separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, the Holy Spirit. Uh, says that, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the ministry to which I have called them. And they had been commended by the grace of God, which the work they had completed. Verse 27, and when they came and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. And so the first missionary journey Paul and Barnabas together done. This will be their last journey together. They get in a little bit of an argument. I just, I just love the ministry of Paul and his boldness for, for the gospel. I don't know if you're new here, if you've never heard the gospel before. The Bible says that uh, we were all created in the image of God to know him, to have a relationship with him. But our sin separated us from him. And so what he did was he sent his only son, Jesus, to come to the world and to live a sinless life and to take on uh, the penalty for us. So that as many as would repent of their sins and and believe in Jesus and receive him as their savior, uh, that they... uh, This morning... And you can say a simple prayer like this. Say, Lord Jesus, I open my heart. I invite you inside uh, to be my friend, to be my savior, uh, to be my God. Forgive me of my sins and wash me clean. From this day forth, I want to follow you all the days of my life. I believe in you and I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. If, if you said that prayer and you meant it in your heart, I would love to, I, I think you should speak to whoever brought you to church this morning. For those of us who are believers, I'd, I think I'd like Dale to come up and pray. If Dale, if that's okay. If those of us who are believers, I, I mentioned here the boldness and the necessity for the Holy Spirit to come upon the church. If you would like to be prayed for, would you just stand up for that? Anyone want to be prayed for? I want to be prayed for. Dale, you can pray for me. If you want to be prayed for, why don't you just stand up? And and then people around you can stand up as well and, and lay their hands on you. And Dale, why don't you lead us in prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the promise 
that uh, <clears throat> those who ask of you, Lord God, for the Spirit, Lord God will receive. Because if we, being earthly, should ask for a stone, uh, for a uh, bread, uh, you won't give a stone. Or we just thank you and praise you, Lord God for the availability of the power of the Holy Spirit. We desire, Lord, to live as a witness and to speak as a witness. And so, Lord, as each and every person that is uh, just desiring, Lord God, to receive, Lord God, that boldness and that encouragement, May, Lord, your blessed and wonderful presence just overflow their hearts and, Lord God, their soul and mind and fill them, Lord God, with a beautiful desire to be bold and, Lord God, to share the word of God. Thank you so much today, Father, for the word. Thank you, Lord God, for uh, just the encouragement from the life of Paul and Barnabas of how, Lord God, through incredible uh, difficulty, the power of God and the word of God was never chained or bound. But, Lord, it went out and it, Lord God, saved people. And, Father, that uh, they uh, continued in your grace and made disciples. And so, Father, we as a group of people commit ourselves, Lord God, to being your followers Help us, Lord God, to be able, Lord, to just continue in the grace of God. And, uh, Lord, I just uh, have a near friend that uh, I would like to pray for today. And I'm sure there are many people in the church here that have family and friends that they are praying for as well. Lord, open the door and allow us to share, Lord God, the good news with these people. Give us the right moment and the right time that we'd be able, Lord God, to just share uh, the reason for the hope that is within us. And we pray for these people, Lord, that you would be working in their heart and opening, Lord God, their heart to the word of God. Thank you for this word today, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for the encouragement and bless Lord Marcus, and thank you that he could share with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.